0: real life property wealth series online free training right now profit is in the property numbers apparently well we're about to find out (laughs) what this all means so let's get straight into the thick of it get your pen pencil ready get everything distraction wise off your lap table out your vicinity because it is now time to pay attention to some amazing things so when it comes to numbers when it comes to a business when it comes to creating wealth when it comes to anything now don't let me down on this one what do, you, what do you always need to do you start with what you start with the
1: end in mind listen it's not about yeah we can get there at the beginning and we can find a great deal and everything but if you don't know where you're going at the end then where are you You could buy it for anything. You need to know what is going to happen at the end product. If you're going to buy this house, you're going to do whatever you are to it. What happens after? What happens next? Right? We need to know this. Because if you don't know your numbers enough, like your valuations, remortgaging, selling it on, whatever, lots and lots of different strategies around this, if you don't know that information, how on earth are you going to make an offer that is going to reflect the money you're going to spend? the money you're going to buy it for, the money it's going to rent for. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, baby.
1: Absolutely. Listen, sort it's all about mode. the end. You've got training to think of the end right first.
0: Now. Training mode. Yeah. So, so, like, what happens at the It's not so much the end, but it's probably the end of this series of taking your investment, which is uh let's talk about like a buy and hold strategy so it's something that you're buying you might be making some changes you might be renovating the whole thing but then what you're going to be doing is you're holding it it's a hold strategy yeah so in in respect to that let's talk about it's not the end end but the end of the time when it comes to like hey how am i now recycling money how am i forcing the appreciation and i've seen it before and people ask about it it's like how do i refinance how do I take money out? So now I've added value. I've given myself a return. I've given my joint ventures a return. I've given my investors, my partners. Everybody has made money. Like this is what we mean by the end. But, it, but it's, it's not the
1: an, end, end. It's not the end. It's the beginning. But it's the end as in am I going to. Because listen, it, it's all it is as well. It's about how fast you want to go? How fast do you want to grow? And, and what kind of strategy do you have? Because the thing is you can have like the strategy where you're just buying, doing up, completely refurbishing, getting all your money back out and then going to buy again. Or you can buy lots and do the same strategy all over and over and over and over and over and over over again.
0: Yeah. So, but what we are calling the end is where we like, what is the donut value for when I, when I finish with it? What is my, what is my mile? When we say, and we mean like, what's the milestone objective of either a refinance or a money out position or a, where I'm going to like now fix my asset and just pay a return because you don't know, like this different strategies like Trisha said depends how fast you want to go and usually the faster you want to go the more you have to keep recycling the money back out of the deal but unless you, you've got millions sitting in the account yeah but eventually you're going of that too you know again depends how, how fast you want to go but sometimes people let this determine their wealth or like the speed up their wealth but hey there is no limit there is no lack of money, there is no lack of deals, oh my goodness, that's something we're going to be covering off very soon, but like, there's no lack of deals for sure, I'm telling you, yeah, Yeah. but, but one thing that is, is lack of creativity in this place, in this industry, lack of creativity, so, when we say the end, we're talking about valuations, so, give us some profit, is in the property numbers, when it comes to valuations, miss,
1: Queen. Yeah, so listen, you've got to look at it this way, because um, if I've got a property that I'm looking at that, say, for example, £100,000 that it's on the market for, well, if, if that works for me on my numbers then that's a good price, right? It doesn't mean that you always have to get it lower than it's currently on the market for because in whose opinion is that market value? It might be a really distraught property. It really needs a lot of work doing to it, things like that. You have to think, yeah, but you have to think that, okay, am I buying it for the right price? And the reason and the way that you work out, am I buying at the right price, is knowing exactly what your end gross development value is. Because if you don't know what your end valuation is going to be, or have a really strong idea, then you cannot effectively buy the property Do the renovation effectively or know about the rents that you're ideally going to get. So, for instance, when we're looking at that 100K property, I then would then go out there and I'll get at least three comparables for the properties that have sold recently that are going to be similar-ish to my property. And the reason I say this is just, for example, HMO. Um, So, for example, on a HMO, if you're buying a three bedroom house and you're going to convert this into like a five, six or seven bed, whatever property that's going to be a HMO, which is individual roomlets and dwellings, then in that respect, that is going to be a very, very, very different category of valuation comparable than the three-bed that I'm currently buying. So I would not look at comparables for the three-bed. I would look at comparables for a six-bed or seven-bed finished HMO. What have they sold for? Now, a lot of people come and say, wow, but we can't find comparables for our HMOs, there's none in the area. Listen, if you can't find them, the valuer can't find them. So you have to do exactly what the valuer will do, and that is extend your mile radius. So if you're in a particular area, and you've got um, a property that you're trying to get a valuation for a comparable then you li- you literally go to w- up to 1 mile which is what the valuer will do and then if you can't find anything that's similar enough in that respect you go up to 3 miles okay and then you have to keep going because the valuer would have to do this as well they can't put wrong numbers to compare it to on a valuation pack when a valuer is valuing your property to give you your end value they have to effectively put matching to to as much as possible on the valuation pack. So the evidence that will say on the pack that they give you when they've refinanced it is it will say similar properties that have sold in the area. And that will have a list of between three and five of the current property that you're buying in in its current configuration. And then they'll have the development um, prices as well because you can have a valuation that's going to tell you what it's going to be worth at the end. You know, it's all about starting with the end in mind, remember. So we're having to think outside the box here and say, okay, well, what is it going to be worth at the end? Therefore, what do I spend on it? So they'll look for these comparables and they'll just keep stretching the area because if they came back to you and said it's going to be worth this, they have to show you the evidence as to why they've suggested that. And trust me, we have had some valuations come back. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I even know that that's incorrect. And they say, yeah, but there's no comparables. And I'm like, okay, so then what do you do in that case? Well, then we, you know, we stretch them our radius. Okay, but if you can't find any there, then what do you do? This is the kind of questions that you need to ask yourself and the power team around you. This is not only your valuers, but you also ask your agents. If you've rang an agent and you're buying a house for 100K and you've got an end valuation in mind of, say, 250, 300 or 350, depending on what you plan to do to it, and the agents have said, I concur that once you do exactly what you've said you're going to do to it, it's going to be worth this. Now, they have to have evidence also to suggest why that that number is correct. They're not just going to say to you, OK, well, this is the number. They're going to say, OK, well, I believe because we've sold 3B, Churchgate, to um, whatever, they're going to have a list like a best price guide that stipulates, okay, these properties in the last six to 12 months have sold in these areas for this. So that will be the way that the agents now I would always get three agents to give us a comparable that they have found because sometimes remember, your agents are the key because everyone's like, Oh, yeah, but it's just an agent. Listen, you will have opportunities with the agent to learn about off market deals now we've just done one we have just sold a HMO off market never went online sold within three days and they nobody will know about that at all about that sale until three months time when it's been registered in the land registry and all of it's gone through so that's a sold price comparable that you could actually use for the end value you know? So you have to think about it, like, how am I best to find my deals and find the done-up values, or the gross development ba- values, or what I'm likely to get it for at the end? You have to be creative, remember, you have to find a way to make your deal work for you. It is a creative way, but listen... If I need a number at the end, I will surefire do whatever it takes to ensure that I get that number. And I'll do that also based on due diligence. I'm not saying that I'm going to go and get a number that I physically cannot get. I'm going to get a number that this property truly deserves, that it is truly worth. And the reason I know that is because I'll get at least three comparables from three different agents so that could lead to between six and Mm -hmm. um between three and six per agent so that's giving you quite a lot of comparables there i will also then obviously speak to the valuer how do you come up with your valuations what do you then do if for instance it's a hmo and they've not got a recent sold hmo within their area they look over like a district so, for instance, we live in the East Midlands. So our valuer once, and I think it's about three properties now, has used the actual um, region that we're in and said, so the East Midlands HMOs that have sold over the last 3, 6, and 12 months were okay, that were the most similar in rents and size to what we had done. So therefore they're stretching that net. That could be up to 20 miles away in some circumstances, okay? But they have to give a realistic evaluation based on the evidence of this business asset that you have now created. Because you have created, in some cases, we have a four-bed HMO that was generating just shy of £25,000 per annum in income. <laughs> I'm not being funny, but if you could have a four-bedroom HMO that cost you less than 30000 on your renovation budget, that you bought for 95000 that you then later sold for £250,000 in cash... To an off-market buyer cash. in three days. Cash. How cash. good would that be? Cash.
0: Cash is in like cash money. Cash, cash, cash is in like a uh, briefcase. <laughs> like
1: cash money, yeah. Listen, if it would have been briefcase, I'm, I'll accept any kind of notes. Listen, we we
0: want to cover. We want to cover many different things of all the different areas of the numbers. So, what's the next section?
1: Yeah. So we're going to look at market value like i've just touched on it before so if for instance the properties on the market oh that's for me right
0: yeah let's yeah look. yeah. so like the funniest thing is everybody like the profits in the property numbers but like everyone's going out there running around looking for below market value deals so what it is i don't know the psychology of this because i'm sure you all know this but definite but like what happens is you're 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 looking at the price wherever it's advertised through the agent right move or whatever platform that you are using and then you're saying well okay so it's up it's up for a hundred thousand so now i've got to go buy it at like seventy thousand pounds yeah and you're looking around for these type of deals all around and then you're calling them up saying hey you know what about uh you're going to accept my offer you know 70k even though it's up for 100k you just got to do your own due diligence to what is the actual market value but how did they even get like why is it up for this amount why are they asking for this you know what it is i think in like in the beginning or, or like your psychology tells you to ask these questions so again it comes back to this is why we do our, so so like we, this is why we do experiential training like we create an experience we create an environment where you can learn how to actually live the real experience to get more out of uh, out of the training rather than just realize oh okay so i know what to do because when you know what to do doesn't mean always that you do what you know. So I think people realize that, hey, some people might already have discounted the price. They might be already very motivated to to like sell their property, get rid of their property in a situation where they need to do something, they need equity, they don't have equity, it's being repossessed. It could be any situation where they are a motivated seller because, hey, we've all been motivated seller, right? Whether you've got some car, just some stuff that you don't want. Believe it or not, there are sometimes situations where people don't want the house. Even if it's costing them money, they just don't want the burden, they think it's risky, um, whatever that may be. Yeah? So here's the great thing that we got to start asking. Again, it's ju- it's just being aware of the numbers. You're not just looking at the number and get fixated that it says 100,000, so I have to buy it at 70,000. People get so fixated on finding below market value deals you know you're like in terms of asking price we have paid asking price many 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 times like happily above asking price why because it's not always about getting it below what it's up for or it's it's, it's like it's you got to get the deal for what works i mean obviously i want to buy it as low as possible but like what is as low as possible how how far do you want to push as low as possible because you've got to make sure the deal works Coming off the first set of numbers was like re-evaluations, how do I get the money out? How am I sitting myself in my strategy? Because it might be to leave money in and pay a return to either myself because it's my own money or an investor or a joint venture partner and just sit on stuff supply that. So um, what what's that end game? But then in the beginning, when I'm looking, what is the market valuation? What is that situation that allows me to get in? Not just running around like a headless chicken looking for below market value deals. I'm looking for below my uh, agent. Please, I'll uh, give you my hunting brief. It is below market value of deals. Uh, yeah, so what's your price range? It just needs to be 30% below market value. Uh, Why is that? Why is this craziness? What's next? Hey, listen, if there's anyone that is getting hot, huh, but it's, uh, let me tell you something. We're going to move on to something else. What we're going to move on now is what about rents? Because that's another number. That is another number that profit. You know, like this is where the profits at, right? We're talking about a profit for the money, for, for you as a business owner, if you're doing it as a business. If you're a hobby, you might just call yourself a landlord. But what else, who else profits from having great rents? I'll tell you something, because when you have great rents, when you have a premium rent, when you have like a luxury um, level rent, you can provide luxury level service. You can provide a great service. So who are the other people that profit? The people who are designing your place. The people who are building your place. The people who are living in that place, obviously. Yeah, because they get to profit too from having a greater space. You know, I asked, did a, uh, we had some training the other day and we were talking about you know, you've got to be organised. So to, to, to allow people to have that space to be organised in their own life, not squeezed in, not cramped, not you know old, tired-looking places, because you're charging you know more of a premium than usual. But it's luxury. It's like affordable luxury and secure accommodation. That was the goal of Harvey Property Solutions Group, which is the the whole group of all the different companies we have for property investment. Tricia, what can you add to the uh, to to the rents like they like profit in is in the numbers in the property numbers around rent so did you hear anything I was just saying then
1: yeah so and and I think the the great thing is that remember everything we're talking about here is in our experience so this is things that we have come across so far and um, it's just a great asset because what we're telling you right now is happening to us live every single day so every single thing that we're talking about at this moment is relevant of today you know we've got multiple properties in multiple areas using several different strategies and different valuers for different banks and they're all in our experience valuing in the way that i described in our experience so um just want to cover that up and make sure that you're aware because it's great knowing that everything we're talking about is live from today it's not like what happened a few years ago we're doing this every single day ourselves so it's always extremely current now when it comes to like rent for example, we know, for example, we've got a street that we have HMOs on, and we know some other landlords that have got ones literally a few doors down from ours, and per room, so we have like, if you've got one house, the, if, if you were to renovate it and make it into a buy-to-let, for example, you could be looking at between uh, anywhere between 450 and 600 per calendar month, depending on where it is because obviously in certain areas it can be higher it just depends where the property is but just for example let's say it's between 450 and 600 per calendar month with a hmo you can have it because it's per room rents etc then you can charge in our experience in our hmos we charge anywhere between for our smallest rooms 450 right up to 600 and that's per calendar month per room so if you have then a property that you've turned into a five, six, seven bedroom HMO. You're then getting your one rent that you would have got if you kept it as one house times five or six or seven yeah now the way that again you check this rental so that you can start with the end in mind is extremely similar to the valuations so you will look online you can get your um, data online as to what co- currently has been let in the particular areas that has been similar to yours okay and then also you can ring your free agents again listen use the agents they're doing it day in, day out, they have this data, letting agents, you can ring letting agents, they'll generally have loads of comparables for you, and a lot of the time, I rang certain agents in some of our areas and said, okay, have you got some comparables for five, five fifty a month per room, because I need them just for my value for the report, and they were like, how much, and I was like, what, and she said, five fifty a month, how on earth are you achieving that, and I was like, what do you mean? She said, the max we're getting in that area is $4,50 a month. I was like, whoa. So sometimes you will come across agents that simply haven't experienced that kind of number yet. So then you could use things like Spare Room. That's that's a great tool that we use. And you can see what rooms have been let at that given price. Now, sometimes there'll be a landlord on Spare Room. that's that's got their number directly on there, give them a call and just ask their opinion. You know, so I've got a property here. I'm looking to rent it for about this. I can see you've got some rooms that you've let at this amount of money. How have you found it? Like, what was the market like? How quickly did you get it? Things like that. Just to give you an idea of exactly what you're looking to achieve. Because what you're looking for here is, again, the end in mind. Because you want to base it on how much am I going to get per annum on my rent because then once you've got a guide of the price then for example when we're buying the property and for instance we do bridge to let products quite a lot with our commercial lenders so they will come out the valuable will come and see the property and say, yeah, it's worth what you're paying for it now. And then we'll say, okay, well, this is our scheduler works with all the build costs and everything on there. And then we'll say, this is the, the um, rental income that we are looking to have. These are the pictures of the type of finish that we're going to have. Here's the floor plans and then any planning permissions or whatever that we've been given. And then they'll be able to look at that and say, okay, so they'll be able to give you a rough yield calculation um, for the area or have a good um, guess at a multiple, really, as to what they're going to give you at the end because with a bridge-to-let product, we've basically got the same valuer that viewed it in the first place when before we before we did the renovation they are then the same person that comes back out to the property when you're switching it to your term facility mortgage now when you're doing that obviously then you're looking at your inflated costs so that's why we start with the end in mind because i want to make sure that my valuer has got the exact there or thereabouts number at the end as the gross development value value in the report that he's done for the for the bridge application because if he says okay it's worth 140 now that you're paying for it i foresee once all works completed if the client does it to the specification and if these rents are achieved license whatever we will then foresee that this property would be worth 400,000 or whatever, okay, they'll they'll be able to put that on the report, so then it's the same value that comes out, and then it's quite an easy tick box exercise, did you do the things you said, do you get the rents you said, and in a lot of cases, we get more rents than we initially stated, so if you do the things that we do, which is ringing at least three agents, and getting three comparables for the rental income, and for the valuation at the end, then you are always going to be giving yourself the best chance possible to have the um, valuation that you currently need. Because remember, start with the end in mind. You need to make sure that when it's on, say, the bridge application, you can then confidently say at the end of this, I know I'm going to get at least this for my revaluation, so therefore the build quote needs to be around this, the um, legals, etc. I need to buy it. For this price, do you see where this is making sense? Because then, if you think to yourself, okay, then this is the price that the property is on the market for at the minute. One, it might work at the asking price. It might work at five k under. So, listen, it's not about trying to squeeze up like marks. It's not trying to squeeze it out of the agents and make it hard work for everyone. It's about finding a deal that works for you and your numbers based on fact not fiction because we just listen at real life that is our brand it's real life it's real life results real situations real scenarios real history of what we do on a day-to-day basis giving this exact exact factual situations where we can say boom this has happened for us yeah so you have to think about it always start with the end in mind so your valuation at the end and your rents is so so important and when you're, like, you, you, you've got to think about, like, Mark's saying, um, profit and time versus play. So, for example, here, I know, I know you've got quite a lot to say on this, Mark, but for what, what we're basically talking about here is you might have decided, okay, I want to do HMOs and buy-to-let and maybe some service accommodation, for example. If over time you are looking at this and you say, I've built this portfolio in, like, five years, for example, then you could say to yourself well okay I've built this portfolio and it's it's really good and it works for me and I make money but if you've not grown maybe as quickly as you would have liked then you have to look at how long has it taken you to get to the number that you have of properties how How long has it taken you to get to that rental income how many properties are currently have? do they have voids in them you have to look at things like this over time and then divide it like what i think mark means here by the time is you have to then work out how long you have worked to get to this point and how much has that then paid you in income so you might have an income per property but if you take five years for example i've built this portfolio and then you spread the cost over that it's actually t- the time that it's taking you to build that then what does it work out like, how has that best paid
0: you? Yeah, it's not always about, like, the, the, the portfolio as well and the time that it took to you. I mean, that is one consideration. But also, deal by deal, people, I see so much, they want to make profit. So what they do is they, like, they skip, scrimp and scrape on the costs because they think, well, yeah, lower costs. I mean, in some kind of reality, it does work, right? Lower costs and you still make the same revenue, then there's a bigger gap, so there's more profit, right? I mean, that's fine, but here's the thing, right? By doing that, what, like, what are you doing? You're, 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 you're spending less money, but more than likely, in most scenarios, you'll be spending more time. Now, I don't know about you, but like the whole money thing, it comes and goes, and, it, and, and you can replenish that, right? As far as time goes, I don't think you can get that back, the time that's gone. I mean, I w- I've already decided, now it's on video, that uh, I'm going to live to 180 years old. But still, the time that I spend is, I don't have that anymore. So, so it's like, you got to add up, to, because people think, oh, if I spend less and I do this myself, or if I go to this person and they take that long, then it's okay. Uh, and we've had both ends of the spectrum we've had scenarios where we're like hey look let's do it at this cheaper cost and then it kind of works out that things took longer which was okay that's one way to weigh up how do you want it to happen do you want it to work like that or you can pay more and get things done quicker usually to a higher quality as well though so then that becomes your weighing up in that situation so that is an amazing an amazing thing for you guys to take into consideration, because you got to do the time versus what it is you are getting paid, like, what is your pay, if you were to work it out by hour, and the time that you put in, there's two things, there's the time is in, like, the daytime, as in, did it take me day, number of days, weeks, months, that's one time, but then it's the time I put in as well, because that's that's why. Again, th- this is about profits and the property numbers. Because we've had deals that have turned out above and beyond what we even thought we were going to get. Value wise, the, the growth it has for portfolio, the income that it generates above and beyond what we even expected. Like we thought best case scenario, and it's gone above best case scenario. We've had other ones. That I'm like, oh wow, it didn't quite pull it off, you know. And this, but we made mistakes. We have made a lot of mistakes. But I tell you something, we made mistakes that are like going alongside each other. So rather than make a mistake on one deal and it's taking me a certain period of time and then after that one deal, I then move on to something else. And then it's like, well, I can learn from my past experience. Well, that's great. But what we have done is like we have multiple deals running at one time. So this is another thing for you to consider. But these are all different strategies. That depends on who you are, what your character is like, your personality. Because some people, they like to be very systematic. But we don't start with any of that. Like Trisha said, we start with the end in mind. So there's a very specific process that we go through when in our arbitrating in our live trainings. Well, in the room, we take you through what is the actual outcome from all of this in the first place. That's the key. That's the key. And another thing, I don't know, do we cover the treasure, the refurb, the property in, 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 uh, is in the refurb, right? So again, it's like, hey, this is another number that I can decide, negotiate. When I say negotiate, I mean like negotiate into the deal. But am I going to take a property where I can spend minimal on it, but it's still up to the specification that, that, that aligns with our mission, which is to provide luxury, secure accommodation? So if it is, then I might be able to do that, just by spending small amounts, and that might give me one strategy. That might give me a seated strategy, where like I can sit in the deal and earn a nice, you know, ROI e- either on my own money or someone else's money or joint venture. I'm just giving you all the different scenarios that you guys can take. Like you gotta be asking yourself, why are you watching this? How does this apply to me? You know, because. Your life, the quality of your life will always be determined by the quality of question you ask yourself. So I love questions. There are so, the questions are so great. I love them. But you've got to ask yourself the right question because a lot of people, they might say, hey, does this apply to me or not? But you got to say, how does this apply to me? How? No, because in some situations, good coaches, not so good coaches, good trainers, not so good co- trainings. It's like, If you get out something of it in any situation, you're going to move forward a lot faster because I've got some amazing things from some great training. And i also got some amazing things from some not good training. So if you like this training and you're here and you're showing up, that's brilliant. That's great.